Uh, let's deal with the World Cup qualifying now. A big game for Canada tonight at uh, BMO Field. Uh, so it'll be Canada against El Salvador. Canada's in, involved with Honduras, the Americans, and, and El Salvador. They're all tied with two points. Mexico is six, Panama four as they get into the qualifying, which will be decided in March. To help us uh, sort of sift through all this stuff, Joshua Cloak is here, covers Canadian soccer in the least for the Athletic. Josh, how are you today, sir? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Our pleasure. So, uh, you know, there's there a cluster of four teams. Uh, Canada uh, tonight uh, in this game, obviously against El Salvador. Um, uh, this this is a a, a a tough battle for for Canada uh, in that uh, they have to win because it's on home soil. So, what are the ramifications here? Yeah, it is a must win. I think if you look at where Canada is at right now, they have to feel good. Maybe not great. I mean, a draw at home in their opener against Honduras was, was quite disappointing, especially given their first half in which they really looked quite, you know, shell shocked playing in this final round of qualification. But then you follow that up with a really strong performance away from home against the United States, which, you know, probably caused a lot of panic through American soccer circles, but definitely, you know, in the one, one draw that they earned really put Canada back on track. Um, again, when you look at how difficult it's going to be playing away from home and Canada's most difficult away matches come towards the end of this qualifying tournament when they go to some like hostile, you know, locales, El Salvador, Honduras, uh, Panama, even Mexico City, right? Those are going to be really, really difficult games to get points in. So these games at home are, are as you said, absolutely must win because you control so many of those variables. Um, El Salvador is quite a pesky team. Um, again, they've got two points from two matches. They have draws against Honduras and the United States. So they, you know, they know how to come out and play that kind of brand of football in which they can kind of walk away with a point, get the result that they need. So they're going to try and stymie um, Canada just as they have with their other opponents. But for Canada, you have to really show that you're capable of playing that confident football that you showed in the second half against the Americans where you can play kind of free-flowing, you can play with your speed, um, and you cannot kind of let the moment get to you, which I think they did in that first game. Uh, so, again, it'll be important just for Canada to do what they did and kind of carry over that attack-minded football from the first game because, again, if you drop points in this game against a team that's you know ranked lower than them in the FIFA rankings, you can put as much stock in those as you want. But this is a game that they are expected to win, and if you do want to get one of those three spots, that puts you in the World Cup, these games that at home against lower-ranked teams, you know, there's no question you, you, you have to get three points out of tonight. Josh, uh, Alfonso Davies is out with the injury. Um, how big a loss is this, and how do they make up for it? It's a loss, but I don't know if it's such a drastic loss, right? And I say that for a few reasons. One, there was always going to be squad rotation, and after Alfonso Davies played, you know, two matches in just a you know four day span and played really really well. It's possible he might not have started, right? So you know, it's possible there would have been some squad rotation and they would have brought in, you know, a Tejon Buchanan for example. Um, but I think just not having him, you know, even just as a threat off the bench if the game is tied late, um, that hurts them. But I think there's still plenty of attacking options that they can go with. They can go with a like-for-like substitution in Tejon Buchanan, who had a lot of success in the Gold Cup playing that kind of left-wing, left-wing-back role that Davies plays. They can put a little more creativity in the centre of the park, which they haven't as much uh, throughout this tournament. Maybe, you know, Toronto FC's Jonathan Osorio finally sees the pitch. 
He's an experienced player who knows how to play that final pass into the box, into the team's forwards. Um, and again, I, I think if we're talking about you know, players that need to, to step up, Jonathan David, who is arguably the second or third best player on this team, and it was a big part of this new kind of young golden generation, he's been really, really ineffective through the first two games. So it's going to be on John Herdman to try and get the most out of him. And if they can get him firing, if he can find the back of the net and kind of, I guess, wake up, this team has to like their chances a lot more. So it's a loss, but definitely not as kind of critical as it would have been had it happened before the game against the United States. So, Josh, take us through the there's four teams here with two points as, as we speak right now, Canada, Honduras, uh, Team USA, and El Salvador. What is, the, is there a separator between those four, or are they all pretty well even? Yeah, I, I think if we're going on talent alone, obviously the United States and Canada is, is – they can separate themselves, but the, the um, you know the variables that I was talking about earlier, El Salvador and Honduras, these are really intimidating environments for traveling teams to play in. You know, and and the United States is in Honduras tonight. That one, I'll be keeping an eye on that one, and I think that one could really tell the tale of how the table shakes out early because if you know the United States is, is held to a draw again. Yes, it's a 14-game tournament. It's a, you know, it's more of a marathon than a sprint. But you, you do have to wonder if if this team, if the United States can't start getting points, um, you know, is the confidence throughout that group going to be shaken? Like, what what is that? What kind of an impact is that going to have on the group? Because there's a lot of questions being asked of this American side, probably more than any other side in this tournament right now. So, you know, this this American team has a lot of talent, but they, you know, again, they haven't really shown their best through two games. So, you know, I, I don't know if they're an absolute lock right now. The separator, again, is, is going to be the ability to win these games at home. If Canada, you know, John Herdman said ahead of this tournament, he was expecting to get 21 points out of seven home games. If Canada can win their next six games at home, that that's the kind of thing that would separate them, right? It, just winning those games that you're expected to win, that's the kind of thing that would separate them. I don't know, you know, if they will be able to do that, right? We don't know what they're going to look like against Mexico and the United States. But again, it just comes down to winning at home because, again, winning away from home in CONCACAF is just so, so difficult. So getting the points when they're kind of there for the taking – that's the thing that can really separate those one or two of those teams from that group of four. Okay, totally with you on that. But but in terms of um, just the points, so uh, this game tonight, regardless of where it is, uh, and, and we understand the, the value of the home points, but but if, if there's not a win tonight, how catastrophic is that? I mean, it's going to be difficult because there's going to be questions about, you know, what they have to do moving forward. I don't know if, if, if catastrophic or if this team is going to be thinking catastrophically, right? The good thing is that these the next games come next month, so there won't be too long for these teams to, you know, for Canada in particular to panic. Um, but I do think it's it's going to, what this team has to do is, again, get those offensive players, those attack-minded players, really, really firing, because this is a top-heavy team. And for Canada, if, if your, you know, attack-minded players are not finding the back of the net, and, and, you know, I'm a little surprised that they only have two goals from two games, both from Kyle Laren and, and one from a penalty. They need more there. 
right? They need a little bit more creativity in the final third. They need to just control the game and control possession a little more, bit more in the final third because, you know, against the United States, they were kind of sitting back and counterattacking, and that works on the day. But, yeah, if you're not – if you don't get the result at home tonight, I think John Herdman has, has to ask himself – how do I get more from my from my best players? How do we kind of lean into that style of football that we have kind of, I guess, become, which is, again, that attack-minded team, that really forward, aggressive-minded team? Um, because if that doesn't happen, like Tejon Buchanan, he was fine in that first game, maybe not great. He, you know, he showed a spark in the second game. But for Canada to go deep in this tournament, they really need their best players at their best. Alfonso Davies has been excellent. Stefan Estacquio has been, you know, incredible, but we haven't seen the best from those attack-minded players. So I think that's probably the only reason you would panic if you don't get the result tonight because, I mean, I guess it goes without saying for any team, if your best players aren't your best players in a tournament, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, totally agree. And I think most people are, are thinking positive here. I'm just going to throw this out because, for me, it's it's like a, a daily double in frustration, the, the men's soccer team, the men's basketball team, just because there's so much talent in both uh, adventures. And it just doesn't, when it comes to uh, World Cup or, or Olympic qualifying for men's basketball, it, it, it doesn't work. I, I don't know why. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I don't know as much about the, the men's basketball side as, as, as others, for sure. I think it's just a matter of um, kind of rising to the occasion in the biggest moments. And, and possibly, even though this team will say otherwise, you know, how much does, does history and, and the failures of the past weigh in? Um, it's inevitable that at least at the beginning of this tournament, this this men's side, this men's soccer side, has been compared to men's teams of the past. And, you know, the messaging has been quite clear from the team itself. We're we're not connected to those teams of the past, right? There's only two or three teams or two or three players that have been through, you know, three or four World Cup cycles on this team. But I do think, think, you know, as, as, as much as the coaching staff likes to talk about you know, doing things and, and winning games that would make them remembered, you know, in this country forever. That's a lot of pressure to live up to. So, I mean, is, is it pressure? Is it the weight of the past? I think until you just get over that hump and qualify for the World Cup, you know, those questions will never really go away. So as much as they, you know, the team likes to say this is a new team, this is a new generation, the comparisons to the past probably won't go away just because there's been so much heartbreak and just so many poor performances in the past. So again, it's just about getting over that hump and it's just about actually proving that you are different, you know, from teams of the past, because right now, until they do qualify for the world cup, I think it's fair for, for longtime fans to be cynical and pessimistic because, you know, there's been good players in this setup before, but they're, you know, they haven't been kind of performing as a collective before. So, yeah, tonight's one of those games that they can really just, again, continue to shake off the, you know, the past. Uh, but, again, until you do it, those, those questions are going to remain. 
Josh, just a sidebar under the Leafs, uh, one of your, your other disciplines that you do uh, for the athletic, uh, just before we let you go, um, obviously the uh, development camp uh, starts tomorrow with medicals and, and uh, you know getting uh, set for uh, really a tournament in Traverse City in, in a week's time, but but certainly an opportunity to, to see Leaf depth on, on display. Who is this, this development camp? Who does this, I think there's Nick Robertson there, but anybody else that it provides a real opportunity for? Yeah, for a few players. I mean, the one that I'm really going to be keeping an eye on is uh, Mikhail Abramov, uh, fourth-round pick from 2019, who signed his entry-level deal quite early in his tenure, really, really talented offensive winger uh, with Victoriaville, who won the President's Cup with, with Victoriaville in the QMJHL this season. Really, really highly touted, flashy skilled winger uh, who had a pretty disappointed, disappointing, excuse me, World Juniors with Russia this year. And I think that kind of really hurt him as uh, when he came back to, to the Quebec League as well. So this will be his first development camp. And again, it's, it's, there aren't too many players at the development camp that have signed their entry-level deals, with, which kind of you would assume puts them on a bit of a fast track towards eventually possibly being a Leaf uh, so this is a player that, you know, the Marlies will probably include in their roster this year. But I'm looking at, you know, how well he can play against players much older than how well he can play against players that have AHL experience. And as is this player, again, a, a highest draft pick, a player that signed his entry-level deal early and has a lot of offensive skill, can that translate into playing against more experienced players? So he's just one of the players that I'll be, you know, keeping an eye on throughout this, this tournament. Josh, appreciate your time. Thanks very much. Awesome. Thanks for having me.